Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast. Welcome to the Alternative Data Podcast, powered by Exabel. I'm Mark Fleming-Williams. In this episode, I'm joined by Chandani Jain of Oakwan, the provider of textual data. In our conversation, Chandani and I discuss the origins of Oakwan, the service it provides today, and the types of clients it serves. FYI, I'm on paternity leave now and have left some podcast episodes to be released throughout the summer. So in this episode, I'm joined by Chandani Jain of Oakwan. Thank you very much for joining us today, Chandani. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Um, so Chandani, what is Oakwan? What does Oakwan do? Okay, so in the simplest form, Oakwan automates anything to have to do with research. The idea is today, the way research is done across any corporate function, it could be investment research, it could be sustainability analysis, uh, know your business, um, Analysts spend a lot of their time just searching for data, cleaning data, curating data. It's it, it's extremely time consuming. It takes it takes a lot of effort, and there's a lot of information that just gets missed. And we believe our primary thesis is that all, all of that process can actually be automated to give a lot of that time back to the analysts to make research faster, to expand the underlying data coverage that is available to the teams, and to just make them more aware of information that they are not even they don't even know is out there. Um, and that's exactly what we do. Fantastic. Okay. You are the founder and CEO of Oakwan. Um, founded it in, in June 2018. How did you uh, how did you come to that uh, realization that the world needed Oakwan and you needed to create it? So it was actually something that uh, I was trying to do for myself in my previous job. Um, I worked on the trading floor. I used to uh, trade index arbitrage strategies. So a lot of my job was just reading, 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 trying to read about the indices, trying to read about companies, identifying if a spread exists, if a dislocation exists, is the market actually supposed to be there or is this a tradable opportunity? Um, and yeah, I, mean, I, I was constantly feeling like I have way too much to read and I'm not, not reading enough. And even though I'm reading all the time, but more importantly, like every time where I have... You, where, do you, where, do you, where do you get that information? How, do you, how are you reading it? Where, how are you sourcing? It's not your local library, is it? Ah, that would be fun, no? Uh, <laughs> it was everything. It was Bloomberg. It was broker research. It was sell-side research. It was, uh, you know, internal uh, analysis that we were doing ourselves. It was Google search. Literally anywhere that I could find anything on the businesses that I was looking uh, to analyze and make investment decisions on. Did you feel like all your competitors were were reading the same stuff or were you trying to kind of get ahead of them by by finding all this, all these sources of information? Um it, there was a bit of that, right? Uh, we were trying to get creative in how uh, how we can think about our investments, how we can think about our decisions, and can we uh, it, can we think about uh, leading indicators? Can we think about searching for information that others haven't thought of and get you know yeah sort of get ahead of the market? Or can maybe even if you're looking at the same information that everyone else is, uh, can we analyze it creatively to come up with uh, views that are probably contrary to the market, but you know, are going to turn us a profit eventually. Reading, reading vast quantities is a, is a, um, it's a, it's a route to great 
knowledge, isn't it? And just, I mean, <laughs> it's an obvious thing to say, but actually it grows you in a funny way. And, um, and I don't know, there's many measures of intelligence, but how much you've read is, is I think a reasonably good one almost. Cause it just, uh, it, it, it kind of, it's almost like it grows your brain. Um, do you agree with that? Yes, it, but I would, change that a bit to say how much uh, unique information you read. If I read the same books 500 times, I'm not sure I've developed more. Um, and that that is what, that exactly is the challenge. Uh, I felt like, you know, I read one research report and that's great. And then when I read the second one, the incremental value add is only minimal. And then when I read the next one, the incremental value add is even more minimal. But maybe there was something else out there that uh, was, was talking about something completely new, completely unique that I had, hadn't even read before. I just had no way of identifying it. Uh, so yes, the more I read, the, the more knowledgeable I become, even with what I'm saying, but I can probably optimize it so that what I'm reading is the highest signal, the least amount of noise, the most impactful, the most relevant. One more thought on this. I've, I've seen it written that um, in order to properly uh, get knowledge of a subject, um, you need to read at least two books on it. If you read one book on it, then it won't, it won't stick. But when you read two books on it, then you'll see subtly you'll you'll see you'll, it'll be reinforced it'll be reinforced, and it will also kind of subtly fill in more of the picture so that you see the context and so it becomes you know a vivid picture in your mind. So mm-hmm. so you know just once maybe not be enough, but as you say, five hundred might be too much, but uh, but two or two twice could be enough to really kind of reinforce that knowledge. Anyway, enough diversion into the the. <laughs> A theory of knowledge. Um, so you were doing an awful lot of consuming data and information. At, uh, this is at Op- Optivair um, in the Netherlands. And um, so, go on. How did how did how did you come to a realization that Oakwan was 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 um, was needed? It was basically that for myself. How can I optimize my information flow with? Uh, <clears throat> too much information and limited hours and limited resources. How can I make sure what I'm reading is actually the most useful? It is indeed new, it's unique, it is impactful, it has the highest signal, the least amount of noise. Um, And so, you know, we started building some things internally uh, just for my own use. So, uh, and you know, the thing that like really used to keep me awake at night is I have a position on and I know that there was some information that came in my inbox, I just didn't get to it. Uh, And is it okay? Like, was it just a rehash of what I've read before? Or was there something unique about it? And if I could just know that, that would give me a lot of peace of mind. Um, so that's how the initial idea started to optimize my own uh, information flow. And then I started to realize it's probably not a problem that I face if I'm trying to consume this huge amounts of data. So is probably everyone else in the market. Um, and yeah, so an opportunity there, I decided to start my own business, did a lot of market research, spoke to a lot of clients. Um, and started with equity research because that seemed to be the most obvious place, uh, the, the place where there's the most data, there's the most value. Um, firms are the most eager to try new solutions. And, you know, you speak to someone, they introduce you to someone else. So we started doing this for equities, uh, got introduced to a few clients in emerging markets. And there they have an even bigger problem because there's a language barrier. Uh, so it's, you already have so much to cover in English. And then you have information in like Mandarin and Indonesian and Portuguese. Um, and a lot of it would not even make it to English uh, sources. Let's 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 put it back just a little bit because I think understanding that kind of original use case will help in then building the picture of understanding what it looks like today. So you started with equity research, and there are a large number of equity research which are being uh, research notes that are being issued every day by various investment banks, etc. 
And so if you are a trader or an investor or whatever, there is a terrifying fire hose of, of these notes, which are constantly going out. And so perhaps you make a decision based on, look, am I going to read every note about a specific company that I care about? Or am I going to read every note from a specific analyst who always seems to be good or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so how did you uh, begin to improve that um, that experience for those for those consumers. Uh, so that actually, uh, all right. Uh, I have a few things to say there, but the, but, but the first thing, it, what, what you said is interesting. Uh, how would you do it today? You would have an analyst going through all of this information, and that is the best the best that you can do. And if you have too much information to read, you just get more analysts to do it. Right? That's your best case solution. Uh, so. Me and my co-founder spent a lot of time thinking about this, and we figured that if we have to actually truly deliver an exceptional product and really solve a problem for the client, it has to give them that same experience that your analyst has come up with this information, has identified the most useful information for you. So what is it that an analyst does? There's three key things. If you are researching something, let's say you're researching Tesla, you don't just go and search for Tesla. You also search for uh, Gigafactory, you search for lithium batteries, you search for growth in electric vehicle markets, you search for, um, I don't know, a lack of EV charging stations, you search for Elon Musk, you search for everything that is connected to that ecosystem and can affect it, uh, not just Tesla. So that was one, that was key. Uh, the second thing is you go and search in all the relevant sources. Um, so if you're looking for Tesla, you will go and you, you know, besides your regular equity research notes, you will probably go and speak to sell side analysts who are specializing in autos. You will go and look at auto journals. You will try and um, depending on where Tesla's factories are, you try and you'll try and search for information around those locations. Uh, so relevant sources. And third, you will only return information that is relevant for the context with which you're searching. So if you are in equity research analyst and you are looking for information on Microsoft, you care about the growth in cloud computing revenues and how much they have grown with other competitors, uh, what uh, Amazon is saying and what uh, IBM is saying, but you don't care about Bill Gates' divorce. So it's, so it's important you have that kind of uh, a clean feed, which only talks about your context. So those are the three key things that we identify that a human does to produce great quality research. So we had to do the same in our product. Uh, and that's exactly what we do. We have the ability to take um, any topic. It could be a company, a country, a sector, just a general topic like deforestation and uh, look at all of the information that is reported around it. If I specifically talk about a company, then companies self-reported data, their annual reports, their transcripts, their own press releases, uh, third-party data around the company, any sell-side research around the company, um, the uh, you know any uh, if McKinsey writes about the company, any expert sources, and identify what are all the entities that affect that company in a meaningful way and why. Is, it, does it affect the company because it's a subsidiary or it's a supplier or it's a location that the company operates in? It's a raw, raw material the company uses. It's a keyword that has been associated with the company recently, everything. Um, so we build that map and we can do it for any topic that is a part of our coverage. Um, and the benefit now is when you are looking for information, let's say on Tesla, mm -hmm. under the hood, my system is searching for information on everything that's connected to it. Um, so, you know, that original problem that I was saying, have I read, do I have enough coverage on a particular topic that I'm interested in that solves for this problem? You know that you're getting coverage on everything that can potentially impact the company. The second is uh, we are connected to over 1 million sources of information online. This is everything that could be in the public domain, news, social media, uh, research, blogs, court filings, government databases, NGO reports, anything that you can think of. 
So that takes care of that, making sure you are searching for information in relevant sources. Uh, you search for Tesla, you know that my, my system is connected to auto journals, it's connected to uh, sell-side research produced by auto analysts, it's, conne it's connected to news that is written about uh, electric vehicle, it, it's connected to local sources in Germany where Tesla is setting up its next factory, everything. And the third, and this is something where we got really creative, is uh, identifying if the information is useful. So we spend a lot of time thinking about how, as a human, you classify information as useful or useless. Um, and you know, you, you judge information on a few parameters. Is this uh, a high quality source, a low quality source? Is, it, is this information sentiment positive or negative? Uh, what kind of information is it? Is it a rating report? Is it a credit, re is it, is it credit research? Is it a news? whatever that is. So we actually classify information today on uh, almost 400 parameters. Um, and these are just a bunch of language processing classifiers that from something as simple as does this information talk about the environment? Does, it, is, does this information talk about a change in holdings of a fund uh, to something quite complex? Um, and now when I have these three building blocks, what I have the ability to do is you come and tell me, uh, I'm Mark, I'm an equity research analyst, I'm really interested in research that is written in Mandarin about um, chips, chip production in China. Um, and I can create a very clean custom feed for you that only, talk, that only shows you that information. And it's automated. Um, is there any humans at your end who are, or has it all been 100% automated now? It is, uh, I would say it's 95% automated. Uh, the reason we keep that 5% human, so we use humans in two, for two things. One is to create data sets that allow us to train our algorithms. Um, and, you know, we've been at, a, at this problem now for over two years, and we started with uh, general world data sets. We started with data sets that are available online. Um, and we realized, uh, I think the easiest way to explain this is you can, you hire someone fresh off of university, that's like your general NLP. And then they work with you for a couple of years and they start to gain that domain experience. That is uh, language processing models trained on uh, supervised data sets, custom, custom made for that domain. Um, so for us, for example, the ability to identify businesses is really important, um, but any model that is open source will be trained on a general world data set where businesses may not be that frequent, may not be occurring that frequently in language. Um, so we needed to create supervised data sets that were very custom trained for the job that we had to do and for the, that, this financial language domain. So we used humans and we create our own internal data sets. Um, and then we train our models on top of that. And that's why our models perform really well uh, because they're very, very custom trained for context. And, uh, and then we use humans we sample 20% of that data and that goes back to our human checkers uh, because, you know, every time we add a new model, let's say I've added, uh, recently someone asked for coverage on Turkey. Um, so we added a new model for Turkish language and uh, I want to make sure that the accuracy of my model is good. So uh, I, it gets sent to human checkers, they verify it. And if it doesn't meet our accuracy standards, uh, then we go back and retain our models. Just a heads up, Turkey are talking about changing their name. So you may need to keep an eye on that. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. about changing their name to Turkia or, or, or some original Turkish version. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, the and so the I think the the context is is an important part from a kind of client perspective because it strikes me that asking about chips in China is a gigantic quantity of information and so actually choosing the parameters under which what we're in, what we find important is is uh, is is key so if so for example a chips in china question 
how many would the would the would your client have to fill in a fairly lengthy questionnaire as to exactly what they're interested in in chips in China? How are you getting that contextualization part done? Uh, no, so some of it is just uh, inbuilt. Uh... I would say an inbuilt un- mapping, right? Of what uh, if you you just tell me that you're uh, you're an equity research analyst uh, and you manage a ten billion dollar portfolio at a fairly large asset manager? That already tells me a little bit about what you're interested in, um, and then you tell me the topics that you're interested in. You, I probably have some sense of your portfolio, and from that, I'm able to narrow down the information for you. So, so no, we try and make it as easy as possible. Uh, really, coming back to that, it should be the same as the experience of working with an analyst, the kind of information that you would communicate to an analyst, you communicate that to us. So really the way that we would set up with a client uh, today is they give us a, we know uh, what their research focus is, uh, what their uh, what their profession is. So is it, let's say, an equity research analyst or a sustainability analyst or someone in risk or someone in compliance? Uh, so at what angle they're coming at information from, what their coverage universe is, uh, and yeah, just the topics that they're interested in. That's it. That's all we need to get started. Okay. So I've just signed up for chips in China. Um, what do I receive and at what cadence? Okay. So that so that's also up to you. Uh, clients, a lot of clients will sign up for real-time monitoring, which means send me information as soon as it's available. Um, and that, uh, just like to do go off topic, is also a key uh, use case that we solve for clients is the ability to identify unknown unknowns. So you've said chips in China, but uh, what are all the key trends, market trends in, e- because like you said, chips in China is again, just like a massive, massive sector. What are the key trends in that sector right now? Uh, how do you even know where to focus your research on what you should pay attention to? Uh, and because now you signed up for this real-time monitoring uh, and I'm collecting this massive, massive amount of data, way more than a human analyst would be able to collect, I can start drawing patterns within that and saying these topics are being talked about the most so, or these topics are starting to gain momentum. Um, so you should start focusing your attention on that at least. Well- Sorry, um, just to just to um, just to say, I don't think we've we've I don't think we've spelt it out properly. When we're talking data, we're talking words. Essentially, it's all words. It's web scrapes uh, words from from news sources, from notes, from from all of this. We're not talking, you know, GDP figures or, or sales figures or anything like that. Yeah, it, it's more. It's not necessarily just web scrape, but yes, it's text. Uh, it's all. Uh, we do uh, written word right now. We're also adding spoken word soon, but yeah, it's all text. So it's a way of creating a flow, a tunnel flow of of um, words and and text um, data on a subject um, from and and with with some clever um, contextualization as well. Um, and so the 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 client has chosen a certain topic and has set it up. So you were saying, sorry, then they will receive it as and when as a um, as an email, no. As a as a uh, through an API, how is that? How is yeah, that? Yeah. So so one, you will um, the client sets up a, a universe, uh, and just just to sort of say, you know, sometimes like specifying a topic seems like okay, I don't know what topics I want to uh, I want to monitor. Uh, you could some say something as simple as the index. I'm interested in the MSCI World Index, or I'm interested in uh, India, China, and Taiwan, or I'm interested in global autos. I just need some sort of like a boundary to know what information is relevant for you. Uh, okay, so once I have the coverage universe, then the clients define what their uh, what purpose they're trying to solve for. So some will set up real time monitoring as and when information happens, send it to me. 
some will will want deep dives. So it's a one-time, really deep look into deforestation in in um, food supply chains around the world, for example. So they they choose that uh, focus. Or is it a one-time deep dive or is it monitoring? And then how they want to receive that information. Uh, you can receive it on a web dashboard. Uh, super easy to set up. Just need your coverage. We create a login. You just log into the platform and start receiving information. Uh, you can receive it via email, which is the most preferred workflow for our clients. You can receive it on your internal communication channel if you use Teams or Slack. Um, or you can receive it as a file through an API or just on a cloud uh, instance. Do you find uh, people tend to use you more as a doing a big research on history or trying to track what's happening as it occurs or a mix of both? Mix of both. It's 50-50, actually. Uh, the, pretty much everybody uses monitoring because, you know, why not? Uh, who doesn't like to be aware if there is a fire in their house? So uh, pretty much everyone uses monitoring. And then uh, some of our clients who are using monitoring will then come back to us and say, oh, I found that topic on your platform. That's really interesting. I want to do a deeper dive on that. Or sometimes, okay, we just know that there is, for example, last year when uh, US, uh, Europe, and uh, Canada, I think, sanctioned uh, some uh, goods from Xinjiang, then one of our clients wanted to see how their entire portfolio was ex- was potentially exposed uh, to Xinjiang across their supply chain. Now, if they used the analyst to do it, it would have taken them weeks, and uh, they wouldn't have been able to go to the depth that we were able to for every company, look at all of its subsidiaries, look at all of its suppliers, look at the suppliers of their subsidiaries, subsidiaries of, of their suppliers, and so on, and identify if there's any exposure anywhere. Um, and so who is so who is using you? What kind of, you began with equity researchers. What have you expanded into? Um, so... I'd say our client base still is 70% buy side, 30% sell side. Uh, Within them, we work with uh, investment research, equity or credit. Uh, Credit is interesting, especially for private companies because they don't have to disclose. Uh, So clients find it really hard to find information on them and using this approach of cast a really wide net and uh, search everywhere for this company and see what comes generates a lot more. Uh, So equity and credit research, uh, sustainability research, know your business is an upcoming very uh, upcoming use case, especially in the light of sanctions uh, that, that have happened earlier this year. Uh, before you onboard a client, can you see if they have any exposure to, are doing any business with, have any shareholder who's on a sanction list somewhere, um, and also customer success. Without us, for a lot of our clients in wealth management and private wealth, uh, when they get a question from their clients asking about, okay, what is my portfolio's exposure to so-and-so? I've read in the news about this whole greenwashing thing. Are any of my my portfolio's companies implicated in greenwashing? Um, their only option is to either put an analyst on it to generate for every client, literally generate a custom answer or send them uh, some generic content. And using this allows them to answer inquiries in a, in a personalized manner at scale. Um, you uh, you come from the financial world, um, and a lot of your focus has been on finance. Have you have you expanded into corporates as well? It's something we would be looking to do uh, over the next few quarters. Um, but yeah, because of exactly what you said, I come from the financial world. It's it's a it's a it's a universe I understand. It's a, the it's the language that I speak, and I can really associate with the pain points of our clients. Uh, so that's why we uh, focus on financial services for now. What else do you see as your as your areas for expansion in the future? Um, so, I mean, the, the obvious ones are going from uh, asset management to asset owners, um, you know, basically, and asset servicing, really. So uh, if 
your asset manager wants to know about the sustainability of uh, the companies that they're investing in for you, probably as an asset owner, you also want to know. And today, maybe you use um, you use a standard data provider, but that their one size fits all data approach actually doesn't work for you. You want more customization, um, and you come to us. So, so we 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 are getting interest from uh, sovereign 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 wealth funds, uh, insurance companies. Uh, that's probably something we start looking at pretty much right away. Uh, corporates, like you said, that's something we're looking at over the next few quarters. Again, if your shareholders use us to identify that there is deforestation in your supply chain, you probably want to be aware of that as well. Um, and then eventually uh, public sector as well. Uh, everything, basically, I think the easiest way to say this is if there is a corporate function which requires collecting data from lots of different sources and one of three things is true, either uh, the speed, uh, time to action is really important, which means you want information as quickly as possible, or uh, the penalty of missing information is really high. So you want as big a coverage as possible or collecting information, access to information today is expensive. So ideally you use highly paid resources and they do it manually. So you want to want it done in an automated manner. If one of those three things is true, um, then it's a potential market for us. Mm. Who do you see as being your competition at the moment? We, uh, well, there's, there's what, there's what our clients say, and then there is what I think. So to me, really, the comp- not really the competition, but the alternate to doing what we do is to do it manually. Uh, and that's why I keep coming back to that, uh, to uh, deliver an analyst experience, deliver the experience of if you were asking an analyst to collect this information for you, do this research for you, uh, but do it, uh, deliver the same product experience, but a better result and do it faster. And then um, we, we've done better than the competition, which is uh, do it manually. Um in our clients would typically, in the absence of uh, us, use a variety of a combination of multiple tools. They would probably have a Bloomberg terminal, and then on top of that, they would be sourcing data from a FactSet, a Refinitiv, probably some local providers. Their brokers send them information. They are subscribed to some independent research houses. They use Google Search. So it's a very fragmented experience across lots of different sources. Uh, sometimes they would use um, search tools like AlphaSense or Sentio, um, and uh, Perfect. Um, is there anything which we haven't covered today, which is key for Ocon, which you want to talk about? Um, I think the, 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 the final takeaway, every time I talk to a client, and I think that that's just what I want to say is uh, the when, when clients get to a point where they have way too much data to track, it's in too many different sources, and they start to get this feeling that some like important things are falling through the crack or they really don't have a process on identifying what information is important. It's more by chance that they catch important information than actually because of a process. That's when Oakwan is the ideal solution for them. Um, and if they're using existing data providers and they're not very happy with that one size fits all, no lack of customization data set, uh, if you, for example, purchase a score, but you don't understand what is the underlying data that has gone into that score, there's lack of transparency on that underlying data, or you're finding consistent gaps in the data because maybe there's not enough coverage on Asia or the, the data provider doesn't actually cover, cover the supply chain or they don't cover uh, Mandarin or uh, Portuguese or some of these local languages, that's when Ocon is the right provider. For these kinds of solutions, we, we can really, really help clients uh, get access to that data faster, uh, really expand their underlying data coverage and make sure they're more informed than uh, what their current state of the art is. Fantastic. Well, Chandani, thank you very much indeed for, for joining today and running us through Oquan and, and the product and, and, and what you're doing for people. Um, and best of luck with those expansion plans for the future.
Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Really enjoyed it.